0: Stephen, you're a manager of people, you've managed people Not really, very
1: few and poorly
0: Well, poorly I don't know I'm a terrible manager well, then let's. Then this is a perfect question for you. I need it. I need answers. So, I don't need questions. So, so you've been. Where have you been a manager? You've been a manager for your radio show at Freakonomics. How many people do you manage? Well, and I don't even
1: really manage them because WNYC is the employer.
0: But technically, technically, you're, you're at the top and they follow.
1: Yeah, yeah, but not as much as you might think because I'm not the employer. So, like for instance, you're avoiding the question I'm about to ask. But go ahead. So I like to have total and complete. Not control over people I work with, but like ability to really give them incentives at work. So, for instance, one thing that I have fought for in the past where I had people who were kind of working for me, but they weren't my employees, was the ability to pay them extra, like give them bonuses. And it turns out that's really hard sometimes if their technical employer is a corporation. Especially if it's a union shop, for instance, where you know salary is a, a tricky issue. Yeah, so. because
0: you're setting expectations that might get disappointed later, and it turns out, as you should know, in to free economics, subversion sort of Is that where you're going? Yeah, that uh, people if you if you set the bar high and then lower it the next year even though they made more than they would have otherwise, they mm-hmm. actually don't like you.
1: Also, loss aversion is a real thing which is which means that we um put a greater value on losses than we put on commensurate gains. And this
0: is well known in like uh, stock market like day yeah, trading sure, it's sure. about a 10 to 1. So you need to make for your happiness to restore, you need to make like almost $10 for every dollar you lose. Can
1: I tell you a cool little discovery that my uh, uh, my Freakonomics co-author Steve Levitt made.
0: Which, by the way, we haven't gotten to the question yet, big but a tell tangent. me story. Right, I'll
1: make this really fast. They were trying to come up with different teacher incentives in school settings to make teachers, you know, quote, do better to raise their kids' test scores. And one of them was an obvious one, which a lot of people have talked about, which is paying, right? If you pay teachers more pay them a performance-based bonus, how will that work? It turns out that in the two different treatments they did, one was if you do, you know, X well, then you get $200 at the end of the term. The other was, here's $200. If you don't do X well, you have to pay back some or all of it. And it turns out that that latter treatment worked much better, which confirmed, you know, yet more confirmation of loss aversion, which is once we have something, wow, we like value that. it in a way. Yeah, it was phenomenal. It was a great research breakthrough that I think anybody listening to this can really use, even for yourself.
0: But, you know, that's how um. A lot of acquisitions happen of companies. So the way an acquisition is structured is, let's say you have a company and someone buys it for, I'm going to just make up a number, $10 million. Right. But they say $5 million you get up front, right. $5 million if you stay here for five years.
1: Right, or if you stay for five years and if
0: you perform yeah. along the Yeah, you, metrics, you hit right. certain goals. Then people you know, can uh, work I, for those it's goals. It's funny
1: you bring that up because I know much less about that Part of the business world than you do because you've been around that a lot. But I have friends on both sides of that equation and people I know. And it seems like I've never heard a happy story about the founder of the acquired company staying on. If it, it seems like they're never happy by the end of their term, whatever they have to stay on for, two years, three years, five years, they're always miserable. The firm doesn't want them around, and it yes. seems like the synergies are often unsynergistic. Do you have any? Do you know any data on that or have much yeah, experience? Yeah, I think
0: of- most acquisitions should not happen. I think they're almost – 99% of them are bad. Mm-hmm. So I think that I've never – I very rarely see one work out. So- like if
1: question of the day were to, let's say, purchase James Altucher Inc., you think that would be a – Probably be a mistake. Yes. All right, Well, I'm gonna cross. Hang on.
0: Do, <laughs> don't, don't, do buy, not don't buy, buy me. Don't buy
1: James. Okay. But my question, question is, today.
0: Yeah. What would you say is the most important issue you face as a manager? How do you motivate you? I, I I was gonna I okay. was gonna add to the question, which is not there. I was gonna say, how do you motivate your people? But that might not be the most important all issue. Right. I'm
1: gonna tell you. So I'm glad you asked the question because this is something I think about all the time. Because I am, as I say, a very poor manager. One reason I became a writer was because I could work totally on my own.
0: Which is not true, by the way, right? What do you mean? You, you, you Okay, you're a writer. You have to work with an agent, a publisher, yeah, readers, all, a
1: co-writer. All of those relationships are fleeting. Okay. Like, right? My agent and I might deal with each other ten times a year. Publisher, three times a year. Now, co-author granted. I have a co-author on the free economics book, so that's that's different, but I didn't become a writer, you know, I wrote I've written a lot independently as well. Right. And I really 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 like that. It doesn't mean you don't collaborate, doesn't mean you're not interdependent on people, but it does mean that you're certainly not managing or being managed very actively. And I cuz I don't like that. So, now that I do manage a little bit because this free economics is kind of octopused out a little bit and there are, you know, different tentacles and and I'm involved in them. I think my biggest shortfalling as a manager is that it's hard for me. I, I got this from looking at um, how governments and institutions design incentive schemes. So very often, you know, let's say I'm a big healthcare company or I'm the federal government or whatever, and I come up with an incentive that's trying to create or encourage a certain kind of behavior. And it turns out that very often those big top-down incentive plans do terribly.
0: I could tell you why. Why? Because, and, and we've talked about this a million times, Money is not no that's, the ultimate incentive totally to make dis- someone perform better. I agree with that, but I totally
1: disagree. That's why the incentives. That's not why the incentives fail. Because a lot okay. of times these incentives aren't even about money at all. Okay. it's about healthcare. It's about compliance. Uh, it's about but, whatever.
0: But I think it's the same ultimate answer, which is that people perform better when they're performing out of a sense of meaning. In their lives.
1: Again, I don't disagree with you, but here's that's neither of those are my actual answer. My okay. actual
0: and I'm not saying my actual answer is is
1: provably right, but I think it's a strong candidate. If the question were why do so many big centrally created incentive plans fail when they're rolled out to the public or to the employees of a firm, whatever, it is this. The people who are making the incentive scheme, who are crafting that tend to be pretty high up the chain, and they tend to be pretty self-selected for certain characteristics, and what they don't have any idea of is that not everyone that they're creating this incentive scheme is gonna respond to it as they would. In other words, they write a scheme, a plan, that would work for them, because maybe they are particularly disciplined, or maybe they're particularly uh, susceptible to a certain kind of reward, but not everybody else is, and they don't recognize the difference between their own mindset and others, that's my problem as a manager. I expect everybody to look at solving a particular problem or working on a particular project the way I do, which is, you know, let's kick ass on this, let's climb this high mountain, let's do it this fast, let's do it this well, let's be this ambitious, entrepreneurial, and then you get around a lot of other people who are like, you know, why, That's, that sounds too hard, that doesn't sound fun. And, and I don't get that, I don't get that gap.
0: Ugh, is this another QOD, Steven, where we don't even have an answer? Let's just think it over for a second and then we'll be right back. Question of the day is
1: supported by NatureBox.com. At NatureBox, I understand that it's not always easy to make the best decisions when you're hungry, especially at the office. From day-old donuts, uh, to birthday cupcakes, uh, to vending machine junk—kind uh, of like vending machine junk, but I'll say it—it uh, it can be difficult to avoid temptation. Fortunately, NatureBox makes it easy to start snacking smarter. From sriracha roasted cashews, mm, to apple and cinnamon oatmeal. You know who's a big oatmeal fan, James? Huge oatmeal fan. Everybody at the Federal Reserve in D.C. Greenspan, Bernanke, Hank Paulson, the old treasury said they're big oatmeal fans. Just really? saying oatmeal goes all the way up I the no, chain. I had As- no idea. Absolutely. How do you know that? Freakonomics Radio. I heard it there. So anyway, um, Apple and Cinnamon oatmeal. Nature Box offers more than 100 delicious options delivered straight to your desk. So set up your day for success and avoid the 3 p.m. slump. Visit naturebox.com to get 50%
0: off your first box now. I understand, particularly since you're not the one, like, for instance, with your radio show or or whatever. And I
1: don't mean to disparage yeah. anyone. Uh, you're not the one hiring people, and so
0: you can't fire people. Uh, but I think a critical thing for a manager is to have a vision or a, a sense of meaning in the project that you're doing and to kind of infuse that vision on the employees so, so that they do feel as strongly about to it as you do. To get them to share
1: it, you mean? Yeah. Well, how do you it, do
0: that? I think it's very difficult. I think you have to say, this is something we're doing that's going to improve the world. And when you personally improve the world, your experience and skill set is going to improve so much more quickly, that you'll be able to start your own mm. businesses, shows, creativity so much faster than you would have otherwise if you had a job that didn't have meaning. So work with me on this vision and meaning, and I and you will see the benefits in your own life, both internally and externally.
1: I like that notion. I guess at the end of the day, I feel like there's a kind of built-in conflict, which is a manager is, by her or his nature, situated above the other people, Yes, and that it feels as though, in many cases, not all, that there's just a built-in resentment, as quiet as it might be, as unspoken as it might be. So there's a gap. Yeah.
0: There's like, yeah. Do you feel bad actually when you're telling someone to do something? You feel like uh, it doesn't come. They're naturally. gonna hate me.
1: It doesn't come naturally to me at all. I'll tell yeah. you that. Now, maybe it's hard. just because I grew up in a, an environment where you know I I wasn't around a lot of people who did that and did it well. I I do see people who do it really well.
0: No, and I, Tony I, Soprano, by the way, does not do it well. Right.
1: There's always a lot of resentment when he gives an order. Everybody feels bad about it.
0: You know, I find I'm not such a great. Manager. So recently, uh, about a year ago, I started a company. And you know what I was the first thing I did? I hired yourself. I did. I hired a CEO. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, sometimes you have to recognize your own weaknesses. It's very hard. Can I
1: say I've actually tried something similar to that? So I've brought in to my, you know, I have a production company called Dubner Productions that isn't really a production company. I don't employ audio and video engineers and stuff like that but it's a small you know it's basically people who just work with me editorially a little bit but like two people and i brought on someone recently who's at a very high editorial and experience and professional level um to to do just that because um i think it's really important to realize that just because you're pretty good at one element of your business if there's another element that's kind of related but not really there's not even a better than average chance that you're going to be really good at that one too and that's, uh, that's a really too. important concept yeah. you know you see this a lot with uh people who are in very kind of type A aggressive um, occupations where they've had to really beat the pack to get where they are you know and, and they feel like well because I'm a great uh, heart surgeon of course i'm going to tell my accountant how to do my taxes because I'm way, way better at almost everybody than everything.
0: I will tell you that is the single source of why I've lost the most amount of money ever is because I because was Because you had a heart surgeon as an accountant? No, but because I was smart at one area of my life. So I thought I could be smart at another area of my life. And it's just totally not true. You know, there's a word for that. No, because I'm not that smart in other areas of my life, <laughs> <It's> <laughs> like called, vocabulary.
1: It's called ultra crepidarianism. No That's, way. Yeah. Way. Oh,
0: spell it. U L T R
1: A C R E P D I N E R I A N I S M. Wait, ultra crepidarianism. Hold
0: on a second. We're going to bring the producer onto the show. Nathan, did you Google that already? Is that a real word? Apparently it is. Apparently, what? you say that with such little confidence. Opa, that it ultra would have been. What does it mean? <laughs> the habit of giving opinions and advice
1: on matters outside one's knowledge.
0: Oh my God, this is a great cocktail party word. <laughs> You're welcome. So I'm off to a cocktail party now. Enjoy. Talk to you later. All right. Some weird time portal has been opened that allows us to glimpse exactly one episode into the future. We'll take you to the other side right after this. Again, we'd
1: like to thank our sponsor, NatureBox. At NatureBox, I understand it's not always easy to make the best decisions when you're hungry, especially at the office. NatureBox makes it easy to start snacking smarter. From sriracha roasted cashews to apple and cinnamon oatmeal, NatureBox offers more than 100 delicious options delivered straight to your desk. So set up your day for success and avoid the 3 p.m. slump. Visit naturebox.com to get 50% off your first box right now easy and satisfying. Again, visit naturebox.com to get 50% off your first box of beyond tasty hand-picked snacks sent directly to your doorstep. Next time on Question of the Day. Tell me five things that you think that you do much better than most people and five things that you think you do much worse than most people.
0: Okay, I'm much better than other people at losing massive amounts of money. (laughs) And destroying all my marriages and relationships and everything like that. I'm an extreme master at that. Question of the Day is produced and mixed by Nathan Rossborough with Allison Hockenberry.